There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, I'm Tyler. And I'm Tiny. (laughs) And you're listening to (laughs) The Element Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I am not Tyler, and he's not tiny, actually. Uh, he's a pretty big guy. Growing at a rapid rate. <laughs> he's uh, been working out and just being Mr. Fit. And uh, I took <laughs> a half, fit, dude. That's right. I took a half my walk walk this morning, so I did something. Um, it's good. We uh, about to do a bunch of walking this next week, so I'm kind of like trying to prep my legs a little bit. I'm yeah. not done working out for the day, but that's all the time I had for this morning. I mean, just you kind should of definitely me get up. a three-hour workout in today. <clears throat> I might. Uh, because I don't have the kiddo and you're leaving early, so dang dude, you can actually go do something. Get that whoop on. What stinks is not stinks, but I just tend to garden more than work out nowadays. When your workout station is right next to your garden, <laughs> the distractions are real strong. I tend to do the opposite and kill all my tomato plants. <laughs> <laughs> have you checked on them lately? Oh, I need to grab those, don't yeah, I? Go, yeah, well, I don't we check on them right quick. I'll check on them. You can go ahead okay. and just. Talk to these people. people. (laughs) So Tyler has been hardening off his tomatoes lately. Um, Before I go too far in the garden and stuff, guys, uh, that's not what the whole podcast is going to be about. I know some of y'all like to rage about us for talking gardening too much. Some of y'all like it, so stick around for five minutes if you don't, or if you do. Uh, Tyler's been trying to harden his tomatoes off, and uh, what ends up happening is he forgets they're out there and they get sunbaked. And they look like a 85-year-old lady from Sicily. And that's not a good idea. Uh, so <laughs> he's, uh, we're trying to make sure they don't, that it doesn't happen to them. Uh, it happened to my squash the other day, too. But it was more of a wind situation. It was like 85 and windy, which is a real good way to make uh, squash plant jerky. And that's what happened to me. <laughs> However, I love things- how you, you talk about... An 85-year-old woman from Sicily knowing that th- there isn't one of those that listens to this podcast. That's right. Cannot offend her. <laughs> uh, and if that's your grandma, I'm sure she's sweet. Uh, but um, Sweet and leathery. It's going to be garden planting time real soon. We've got some stuff in right now. Pretty much all my potatoes are popping. I heard uh, the other day that um, the dark nights of March is when your potatoes should poke through. When there's no moon, that's mm. when it should start happening. Mine are not there yet, and guess what? Did you uh, callous, them, callous them up? You did? Yep. What's up with that? How deep did you bury them? Deep. That's probably why. That's okay. Um, I don't know. We can talk potato tactics later. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we have got a lot coming up. We're about to head to Tennessee to go turkey hunt with one Chadrick Rice of Cruiser Saddles. 
I don't imagine that we will kill a turkey out of a saddle. I'd like to catch a fish out of a saddle. I might do that, too. That would be pretty fun. <laughs> Lean out over the lake and just Dude. make it happen. He's got Cane a boat pole. dock or something. I think his parents live on the lake. We could just, like, hang in the saddle right there out over and just, like, jig around. That'd, That'd be, be sweet, cool. dude. Just pop yeah. them straight up like them, uh, them uh, South Pacific people that just whip those fish into the boats. Or I watched something like that. Uh, you know, like a reel or whatever. And uh, people in, like, South Asia fish with these long, limber cane poles for huge fish. And it's, like, a real weird thing. You know what I'm it talking is. about? I mean, I get. are we talking about the same thing here where they I, whip them into the boat? No, oh, but it's similar know. to that. Like, when you're talking about they're using, like, a really uh, stiff rod, and they're catching, like, 10-pound tuna and just overpowering them. And yeah. flipping them up in the boat. Well, it's long and limber still. Is it? I mean, yeah, it's fairly, I think they're fairly limber still. And they basically whip them back over their heads. They fly into the mm-hmm. boat and they come unhooked. Somehow yeah. they have a technique that brings them unhooked and then they put it back down in there. Well, I think they're using like a, um, not a hook. They're using like a spreader or something like that. It's so like when they put tension on it, it oh, you yeah. know, gets stuck in the mouth. Yeah. But anyways, uh, no, like for fishing for like big catfish or carp or something, like they'll use a similar setup and they just hook it and then it's like human versus fish and the fish doesn't get to go anywhere <laughs> instead of like having a reel to let line out. <clears throat> yeah. Which sounds not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about yeah. it. Have you ever been mm-hmm. using a jigging pole for crappie mm-hmm. and hooked a five, six, seven pound bass? I don't use jigging poles that often I for do. crappie. Yeah. But so no, probably not. I've hooked uh I was fishing for bluegills one time, had a bed of just like solid half pounders. I was just mm-hmm. one after another, dude. And I hooked one one time and it, you know, kind of did its deal where it turns over on its side and starts flipping out, you know, and like I didn't I can't see it. It's deep. It's like four foot down. And all of a sudden my line just goes basically fight this fish that I feel like is a bass didn't realize that I the bass had a hold of the bluegill I thought that I just hooked a bass and it gets out there a long ways anyway I start stripping it back in get it in close or not close but like 10 yards and then it just goes slack I'm like dadgummit so I start stripping it in I still got the bluegill on there and he's kind of shredded up pretty good probably still alive and when I get him close there's a five and seven pounder right behind him Two of them. Looking at him. Yeah. Ooh, ragers. Yep. This is like May, I mm-hmm. think. And they were just, we had grass beds in there back in the day. It's cool. Yeah. And they were just fish everywhere. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's fun. <clears throat> We've been doing some stuff. fishing. Yeah, we have. Interesting things can happen whenever you're fishing for small fish. Yeah. Because big fish are out there. They are. Yeah. We uh, actually have been doing a lot of fishing for some small <clears throat> and big fish. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. Should we just let's let just do it, it out? Just let the cat out of the bag, All right, bro. guys. Here's here's what's happening. Uh, as Chadrick would say, it's like this. <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> we're gonna we've produced some fishing videos yep. that are actually pretty slick. We sat here and watched ourselves on a video that Tyler edited for like 27 minutes the other day, which sounds real conceited. But it was real interesting. It was. It wasn't because it was us. It was just because it's cool, man. The it was fish cool. make it cool. The fish make it cool. That's right. And uh, we've been ripping the lips and wiggling our hips, <laughs> hopping ponds. So um, this uh, series is going to be called Pond Hopping. Yep. Uh, and it's going to be a deal where, you know, there's a lot of fishing stuff out there in this world where you got to have a big old boat and go do all this crazy stuff. Well, just a lot of us don't have that. So... Um, in true element fashion, yep, we're doing things the poor boy way. Uh, <laughs> it's similar to what we have done with the deer stuff. That's you know? right. It's like run around, try to find permission. If you can find some public, do that mm-hmm. too, and catch the biggest bass you can potentially catch, just mm-hmm. like we go around and ca- try to shoot the biggest bucks we can potentially shoot. Yeah. And that's what the fishing is, and that's what we've done. We've fished. Uh, we've pretty much, I think we've got about two episodes that are produced so far. One of them is pretty much ready to go and will be coming out soon. If, uh, not, I don't know for sure when this actually will air, but, uh, it may already be released by the time 
this podcast airs. It'll be the first episode. It's pretty cool. That was all private land stuff. And then we went and did some public land uh, fishing the other day mm-hmm. on a pond. That, that was pretty cool, too. Out. And it was actually really good, mm-hmm. which is weird because the pond that we thought was going to be better wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of this thing, man, is like, it's kind of like uh, running around getting permission on properties for deer hunting. Like, sometimes it's just not a good place, mm-hmm. you know, like it just doesn't turn out to be good. And sometimes, um, it's better than you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened the day. Like w- the first pond was better than we thought it would probably be. And then the second pond was worse than we thought it would be. So we've been, um, is proselytize. Is that the right word? Like um, say prophesize. you're, no, nah, like you're, you are like coming up with thoughts and ideas and have questions and answers within your own thoughts and ideas. Pontificating? Like have, Pontificating? Maybe. I don't know. Pontificating? Pontificating. That's it. <laughs> so we've been here sitting, uh, thinking about this and talking about it quite a bit on the banks of these pools. In case y'all didn't know, we call them pools, but most of the world calls them a pond or What a else tank. can they be called, Casey? Ponds, tanks, tanks. pools, uh, fishing holes, sloughs. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Lakes, depending on lakes, where you're at. Yeah. In Minnesota, they count every little tiny as a lake. That way they can get 10,000. Actually, there's a lot more than that up there, but either yeah. way. Um, uh, so all of those type things, right? So mm-hmm. not a big bot, not a reservoir. Um, however, we were fishing next to a big body of water the other day in one of these pools or ponds, and um, then we went deeper to the other one that wasn't as good. So we've been talking about how do fish get in these pools? And in that instance, it would like, there's like a, there's a correlation at least of the one that's closer to the lake has better fish in it. So is it a bird leg fish egg type thing? I like it. <clears throat> that's it. <laughs> bird that's leg it. fish egg. That's right. Because um, it's close to the lake. Is that why the fish are better there? <laughs> I don't think so. I think in that situation, it's different. But it could be. Or is it because people are chunking them in there because it's close to the lake? Like they're maybe they're seeding the pond. Maybe. The ponds are different, which is wild because the second one, I would think, would hold more bass. If I could have that on my property. Oh, my goodness, Oh, my dude. goodness. I mean, we did get a few bluegill bites. So we know there's bluegill in there. The water was super clear and deep. And I don't know. There had to, I mean, there, there, you have to think like there's probably a few bass that can bed up in those shallower mm-hmm. areas. But overall, like for the amount of square footage that the lake is, there's not a whole lot of bedding habitat probably right in there. But they can figure it out. They man. can figure it out. Yeah. So there should be bass in there. But we did not get a a bite that we know of really i thought you hung one and he ran you up in the weeds dude i have a feeling that what happened was a bluegill hit it mm. and i set the hook into a weed mm. but i don't know so, I, I don't i don't want to be the guy that's always like oh i got a bite you know what i mean here's but, the um i like me and that guy <laughs> I, I, the hype uh, man that's right Ooh, um i watched the key and peel episode <laughs> the, the, the hype man that goes over the top or whatever yeah oh so their skits are funny they dude. are man um You have been talking about this quite a bit, and it seems to be a true thing uh, among, like, anybody who does pond management is that you either have to manage for crappie or manage against them, Mm -hmm. one of the two. We never fished with – well, I threw a little crankbait a little bit, but that may or may not have caught one. But we never fished with crappie gear in that back pool. Mm -hmm. There's a chance that that thing's full of crappie. Yeah. And that's why there's not really any bass. It's true. Can you explain a little bit about what you know about why that's the case? From what I understand, and this is basically comes from a guy that we follow um, that I learned. I've heard it through my life, too. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I I haven't really thought about it much because mm-hmm. I've never been much of a pond manager. Uh, haven't ever had land, really, in a pond on it. So, But basically, this, bi- this guy's a biologist, aquatic biologist, and he says that um, crappie pretty much – they grow fast and they eat pretty voraciously, which is weird to me because I don't feel like in the lake they do that except for re- during the spawn, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you put one on their head. But um, 
they apparently eat a lot of things that are in the same uh, type of forage and like size of forage that bass would eat, I guess. And so they don't leave much room for bass. And what, what the issue, the issue with them getting big quick is that they are not forage species for very long also Mm -hmm. for the bass. So the bass can't eat them once they get to a certain size, especially if these are pond bass that are two to four pounds, Mm -hmm. you know, a big crappie is not going to fit in that fish's mouth for, you know, it's going to be a very short window. So, uh, that's kind of the issue. And then those, those crappie proliferate and, and it's just a, a cycle that you can't, the bass mm-hmm. can't overcome, really. Yeah. I've heard that uh, another, you know, kind of along that line is that they get to that size quick. And then at that point in time, they are like, uh, what's the right word here? They are, they don't have much discretion in what they eat. So they just eat everything mm-hmm. that they can. And it ends up being where not only, are they eating like bass fry, but they're also eating like all of the invertebrates and stuff to where there's just not much of anything in the pond except mm-hmm. for crappie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it just makes it kind of like a a food desert for bass mm-hmm. pretty much because those crappie can, can do that. And it's yep. weird, like a crappie's made to not be eaten by a bass. Mm-hmm. Like they're wide right. for their weight, mm-hmm. right? So like... Except for the state record. Is it not wide for its weight? Well, I'm, I'm saying the state record bass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he could definitely eat a crappie. He might have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's, yeah, for sure. Um, but for like, you're saying like, I mean, a bluegill, a big bluegill is like three quarters of a pound, mm-hmm. right? And they're also made to not be eaten by bass, but they, a, a good-sized bass can fit that in his mouth. A big crappie is over two pounds. An average-sized crappie is probably a little bit over a pound. So, like, that fish is, for only being one pound, is, like, six or eight inches mm-hmm. wide. So, any way a bass puts his mouth on it, he can't really eat it very good. Yep. So. You know what's weird is that a snake will attempt some stuff like that that's weird. Yeah. Like, I've seen some snakes. I, I shot a snake. so small. <laughs> you think that's why? <laughs> I think so. They, uh, I saw a snake one time that had a ginormous catfish in its mouth. Like, there, it was no way. And when I walked up on the snake, like, it couldn't get the thing out of its mouth because mm-hmm. it was it was just basically going to choke on it. Mm-hmm. And so I smoked it with a shotgun, <laughs> which was weird, too. What were you doing with a shotgun when snakes well, I went, were out? I, It was at my dad's place, so I just ran up there and oh, grabbed okay. a shotgun, and he was still there because he had a giant catfish yeah. in his mouth. Couldn't go anywhere. That's right. So, yeah, it's weird. So snakes are weird. They, they are, man. Creep me we, out. So you saw one yesterday. Yeah. We were pond hopping yesterday. Yep. And uh, had a weird day. Yeah. Because um, we went to this place. I mean, this is another one of those pools. It was like, if I had that on my property, dad gummit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, lots of surface area. Somebody's well, coming somebody's in here. my house. Uh, lots of surface area. Not a lot of um, depth, though, but pretty good. Mm. And uh, then... Just no bigger fish, which is another problem with pond management. And we don't know that much about this stuff, right? Um, but we do know that if a, a pool can and will get overpopulated with bass, unless there are external factors, right? Mm-hmm. That's a thing. Yeah. And then, then it will stunt the growth of the bass, and then you end up with a whole bunch of one-pounders. Yeah. And that's what we were seeing. Yeah, maybe even less than that. Yeah. Weight-wise. They were, and they were all kind of thin in the back end a little mm-hmm. bit. They didn't look bad, but they just were all, you know, maxed out pretty mm-hmm. much uh, with their food capacity. So, yeah, that's what uh, we ended up doing. But we've we've caught some pretty big bass we in did. this series already. We've only fished four pools. Some of the most entertaining bed fishing I've done yeah. has been this pool bed fishing. Yeah, there's some cool stuff. We caught, I caught what may be my biggest fly rod bass Um so that's going to be in this first episode. You get to see it. Pretty cool stuff. Our boy Chris Webb came out, filmed some stuff for us, and also brought his fly rod out because he's trying to get into that. And um, he caught his first fly rod fish mm-hmm. that's also. Cool. And it took him a while, but he got it done. That's right. There's a big, there's a steep learning curve when you get the fly rod out, man. That's right. Anything past 10 foot is pretty hard. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and your rod is nine foot. That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, it's been fun. Hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoy that. Um, also, uh, 
those are, you know, the fish that we've been catching are H-A-W-G-S. Those are hogs. Um, we've also been doing some H-O-G-S stuff. And um, we had a video that we posted recently that has gone nuts. Um, it's real popular with the um, foreign crowd. <laughs> <laughs> the the Euro crowd, yeah, not the and, Euro uh, nymphing crowd though. Right? No, not Czech yeah. nymphing. Yeah. Uh, this is the the European uh, people of the world that like to think about uh, Russian boars mm-hmm. and uh, Spanish pigs, and uh, yeah, I don't think the Euro people like us that much. I don't know, but what there's their also some is. Americans that will right. make some funny if comments a, too. If you're a loyal follower of the element we could use some nice comments on that video <laughs> there are plenty but there are what was what the guy say last night that oh man and here's, let me give you all a caveat to this thing all right um this is a, this took a little while to learn and tyler um is probably better at it than i am but mm. like uh when you start putting yourself on youtube especially as your channel grows like ours has uh, you got to really not pay that much attention to bad comments. But we still like to read them because y'all say nice things about us sometimes, too. Yeah. So, And we want to be, like, talking to folks. Responsive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but sometimes somebody says something so stupid and it just makes me mad. Um, and that happened yesterday. This guy... I'm going to read the exact yeah, comment. Tell, say the comment. And, and we're not, like, trying to be Karens or anything about this. Uh, <laughs> and I just deleted the comment because it's like, whatever. That's it's too dumb to leave on there. All right. This guy, I don't even know how to say his last name. He says, stop playing Hollywood and start hunting. This, there's not a whole lot of uh, punctuation here, so of let me course. just read it kind of straight <laughs> through so maybe you can understand it. I'll try to read it like what he should have said. Okay. Uh, stop playing Hollywood and start hunting. That means 100% on the hog and zero on the lens. Mind you, this is a guy watching a YouTube video. <laughs> A hunting YouTube video. A hunting YouTube video. Hog hunting YouTube video. Wants you to not be filming. He wants you to not be filming so that he, if he was logical, could not watch any hunting videos. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's, uh, I almost, I told Ty last night, I was like, I almost decided to let this guy know how smooth his brain is, but I just decided to delete the comment anyways. I, I think that, I don't think that I'm better at it than you are. I, I definitely am very experienced because we had... <laughs> You've been raged a little more We had a video. <laughs> well, first of all, this video I get raged in the whole time because I'm wearing a blue shirt pig hunting, which shows you like that we're just out here doing this whenever we can, right? Mm-hmm. It's not... Uh, we're not putting on, you know, first light to go pig hunting every time. Yeah. Sometimes like it's just... Well, I was working today, and I got in my truck and took my bow and went mm-hmm. before it got dark, you know? Opportunistic. Opportunistic hunting. Um, you know, 0% uh, on the lens. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to have to start saying that. 0% on the lens, KC. That's why we have interns. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, I, uh, I I got raged first and foremost, pretty much, within the Element Channel for the Frankenstein video, which is also known as the oldest buck ever video. It's the oldest buck I've ever shot. And uh, it was our first, like, viral encounter on our channel where, mm-hmm. like, we had... This is the weirdest thing. You know, when we were ti- we were a tiny channel at the time, really. This is, like, 2019 in November. I released this video 10 months prior, and it had, like, 1,800 views. And then... In November, in like three weeks, it got a hundred thousand views, and like the comments were bad because I don't know. I felt like I tried to do justice to this deer, this video. It meant a lot to me to be able to take the deer and kind of like, and, and he died quick. Like there was no sign of struggle or nothing. It was a liver shot. He died quick and was eaten whole that night in about. I don't know. I, I went, I mean, I basically was back out there in like 10 hours or something like that. And, you know, there, there's, I'm not going to go through the whole story because I've done that, but there was a special, cir- uh, special circumstances that led me to believe that I should let him chill because I didn't want to go out there and spook him in the middle of the dark and him mm-hmm. get off the property, right? Because I, I knew basically where he's going to be. Well, he got eaten like, 
I'm talking every ounce of meat from the base of the skull down to the tail by coyotes that night. And like I said, it was just, he was just laying there, um, like he hadn't moved one ounce. So, I mean, he, he died quick, but dude, people do not like seeing that recovery scene where, well, the, the problem with the whole thing is that this was long before you and I could just follow each other around all the time and film. So you're mm-hmm. self filming from the ground and I'm not there to help you with this. Oh, yeah. And we had some camera issues where the thing timed out on you or whatever. Yep. So pretty much your first shot on the deer, you had it framed up, but it didn't get filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first shot that is shown in the but video. I had the GoPro on, right? Yeah. I don't remember how it goes. Yeah, now. you had the GoPro on, but yeah. people just can't figure that stuff out. Man. Yeah. Um, and uh, so like the first shot that's on film is your follow-up when the deer's clearly out there hurt, right? And you're trying to finish him off. Yeah. And people are thinking that you took a 80-yard shot as your first shot on a deer. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just and like, I And we had been, like, running all across, the, you know, the states, basically. And I didn't have my, my bottom pin, whatever it was, was broken off, basically. Mm-hmm. I had broken it off. And so, like, I had to really guess on a – I think it was a 50-yard was my, my – my pin that I had left was mm-hmm. my 50 or something like that. And so I had to basically guess. I knew he was like 87 yards, and I said, I'm going to put my 50 high. And I put it, and it shot low quite a bit because I just, you know, haven't ever shot my 50 at 80. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, I, that's what that that made a bunch of people mad that I shot an 87-yard shot with a pin that wasn't, you know. <laughs> and then there was people that were mad that I shot an 87-yard shot. There was people mad that I didn't go looking for him that night, even though they didn't have a clue to the circumstance. Mm-hmm. There was people that were mad that, uh, and here's the deal. It was like, I've had people reach out to me and say like, they, they, people don't trap anymore. So coyotes are an issue when it comes to this stuff across a lot of States. You know what I mean? And so it's just, it was one of those deals. But anyway, I got so many rager comments, dude. And, um, this was our first encounter with it and I just didn't handle it all very well. <laughs> <laughs> I need to uh, I need to make sure that I don't have any dumb comments out there anymore, probably. But, like, I'm not saying I got real ugly, but I was probably snarky and more uh, kind of uh, sarcastic than I should have been, probably. And that doesn't really solve any issues. So um, I'd like a chance to respond to those in a better way, <laughs> if at all. My favorite so, thing to do on YouTube, and I, I don't do it anymore because people figure it out, but is to go on like one of my alt accounts yeah. and then like hype the person up who's being dumb. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the thing to say, like I would get on and say like, yeah, man, I don't know why these guys are even filming this stuff. You know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of make that guy think. Yeah. I think that happened one time. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Some it confused one guy, I think some one time, like when he was like, Hold on, who's this guy that's with me on this side? Is he actually with me on the side or is he not? You know? Yeah. But, I don't know. It's, that was our first, like, that was the first time we really had to deal with this. So I had a, I've had a lot of that over the years. That video has since calmed down quite a bit, but mm-hmm. it's still, it still cranks, you know? And uh, now we just have to deal with the fact that, you know, French people don't love the way that we hunt for hogs, I guess. So French people probably so don't was, like the way that we hunt just because. They don't hunt there. <laughs> what does uh, what does Uncle Ted say? Um, you can't do this in France. <laughs> does he say that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, uh, that's, that's good stuff. Not nearly as free, are they? No. Um, freedom fries. Which I mean, one thing you love is how free America is, right? That's right, man. So many taxes. Freedom don't come free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, which is such a dumb statement. <laughs> Well, whatever. Anyway, speaking sorry. of yeah, Casey's, <laughs> oh, if y'all only knew, if y'all only knew. Um, so I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a box over there. Are you? Yep. And get uh, boxed in. They <laughs> box. Can you explain up. that joke? I don't know it. I for, don't understand. For Hunter? Yes. I think he just said it one time. Going to box them up. That's. I a, thought it was saying because like whenever we posted a South Dakota buck, I tag everybody around so that like if you see. Like, you click on to see who's tagged, you can still see the dude and the animal. And I thought that's why he said boxed him in or something oh, like I that. Oh, I think it's just, like, that's his way of saying I'm going to kill him and take him home. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's um, good. 
Anyway, mm-hmm. we uh, we got some new bows, and we're you're not gonna, so you're telling me you're not gonna have a problem with broken off pins and old junky equipment. And Man, stuff I, this I don't year. know. I don't know. Hopefully not. I won't have old junky equipment. I might have new junky equipment. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Never shot one of these bows, but I'm excited to. Yeah. And you have. Um, well, I have actually. Yeah, uh-huh. I shot one one bow one time with nothing on it but a rest. Mm-hmm. And, and Tyler uh, hates that. I don't. I do hate that. And I actually <laughs> really thought it shot pretty daggum smooth. Yeah. Which it was surprising. I'll mm-hmm. say that. So uh, we won't tell you what brand this is yet. Oh. But we will tell you at some point. Yeah. Um, we're not supposed to say anything about it yet. So. All right. Then anyway, if that's the case. But I just wanted y'all to know we got some new bows. We're going to be working on new bow video content this mm-hmm. uh, spring and summer. And we're going to just show you some of the stuff that we've got going on. Uh, we're going to be shooting some ZMR arrows. We're going to be shooting some potentially some new broadheads. Um, and uh, I'm potentially going to be shooting two different arrows this year. Um, at least two. Are you? Potentially, yeah. That's I mean, cool. I guess... I'm probably so it, d- it depends on draws, but I should draw a hunt that I may need to shoot a slightly lighter arrow uh just to get uh just to help myself with like last minute uh long range shot potentially. Hey, I put in so continue no, on what you're saying. I'm, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I put in my specs for what this boat I think are going to be and on the ZMR it's fit me out a 447 grain arrow. Is that the arrow with the broadhead? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Mine was like 515 or something the mm-hmm. other day. What, what weight are you shooting? 70. 70, yeah. Yeah. Huh. I think it's, you should try it again and see. Which try that I don't want to shoot that lot, personally. Yeah. But out west, I can see where it's handy, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're off – Seven yards on your range, you're still probably going to kill. That's the hardest thing, dude, is like really ranging in open country is the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're up above tree line or out on the plains or like you could be in the back of my pasture here stalking mm-hmm. a deer. You know, like if you're trying to range in a grassland habitat, that is difficult sometimes because flat on the ground, you got to get you got to get up above the grass mm-hmm. to get a range a lot of times. Uh, or if you just think you're going to range. A uh, big old grass that's sticking up, that's mm, that probably not going to happen, you know. Yeah. Like, or I'm just not going to feel confident about that being the actual range. I like yucca country. Yeah. You can bounce off. <laughs> that's the yucca what we did. Real good. That's what we did this year with my buck. Yeah. Um, I ranged. I ranged a yucca that was like ten or fifteen yards to the uh, right of him, basically. Mm-hmm. Where he was bedded, and so I knew, and I kept ranging it just to make sure, you know. Mm-hmm. But I ranged it, and I was like, "That's right there, fifty, man." And so, and that's actually, I think, what Eric focused on too was the yucca, so that when he stood up, he was pretty much nail and focus. That's sick. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's a tough thing to do, man. Is in that open country, but it's it's so weird because like every once in a while you'll be in open country, and it's the easiest thing ever because. You're like hidden, and you can just range the animal and shoot it. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it's like I gotta like try to stay lower than grass and still get a range. Yep, it's real tough. Yep. Uh, one of the things that I do a lot of times in that open country is I try to figure out like, especially if you got bedded deer and you got a spot you're gonna stalk to, and you know, like you can see like uh, kind of some defining features. Mm-hmm. You can actually get on on X and use their little line distance tool yeah. or whatever. And figure out kind, of, and you did that. In, I, I think in Kansas, yeah, right? I did. I did yeah. on that stalk. I mm-hmm. use this. I use the Onyx stuff. Um, so, first of all, I used Onyx to mark the deer from mm-hmm. where I thought he was at, and that was actually one of the hardest things I've done because that country is kind of featureless, mm-hmm. and it was very difficult to figure out which like little draw in the open he was next to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was it was tough. I spent a lot of time doing that, but I got I actually did nail it. And then um, that helped me as we got closer. I could, we're just walking down the middle of the straw and I can look at my map and be like, oh, yeah, he's still 200 yards or whatever. And then eventually, like, I was like, oh, he's like 100 yards. So when we come up over this thing, we're going to have to crawl for sure, mm-hmm. you know. And that way, you know, which his antlers are so big and so <laughs> wide. <laughs> like, there was no way to miss it if you came up, you know. But the thing is, we were working into the wind. So he was looking at, I mean, dead down at us pretty much. So mm-hmm. 
you didn't want to peek up over and see his antlers because then you were seeing his eyeballs too, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah, I definitely use that, and that is a handy thing mm-hmm. for sure. It works pretty good too, which is yeah. pretty cool. The only thing, and I think I've talked about this recently, or maybe in the last podcast, the only thing that I struggle with in that situation, not the only thing, but one thing I can think about that I struggle with situation in that situation, sorry, was uh, I have a dual caliper Cobra, mm-hmm. which I really like. In a tree stand, it's awesome, mm-hmm. most most situations. But on the ground, like, I'm kind of, I'm not just, like, clipped on waiting for this deer to stand up for 45 minutes. You know what I mean? So, uh, when I did have to sit up and then clip on, you want to talk about freak out mode, dude. <laughs> I'm talking. And so, like, I think what I'm potentially going to do this year is get Jake to, at Cobra to send me a... Uh, it's the moment that moment. you shoot. It's got the single. It's his hook style. Gonna be a hook boy. It's a hook. So I'm gonna be hooked. And right. uh, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna shoot the hook release, or I'm gonna try it this summer with the new bow and see what I think. And I imagine it'll be just fine. I bet you'll like it. I bet I will too. Because I, I came from a talk about why that's easier than a dual caliper. Yeah. So I shot a dual caliper all my life like most of us probably started out with because it's what you could find at walmart right mm-hmm. um jake likes to say this isn't your this ain't your daddy's cobra i think is what he likes to say because <laughs> yeah. cobra you know he bought it i think nine years ago or something like that um but uh so a dual caliper you pretty much have to look mm-hmm. down there to get it on there because you got to like find the d loop and he does have a pinch to close now though yeah which is cool it is cool I actually used to do that with my old dual caliber too, um, but you'd have to like pinch the end of it pretty mm-hmm. much, and then use your middle finger to, to flick kick the, the yeah yeah yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, you have to pretty much look down and get that D loop inside of those. Now with my hook release, I put my finger on the trigger, I put my thumb on the opposite side of the release like where the mechanical part is right and then there's just a hook sticking out in front of it and then i take the tip of my thumb run it down my bowstring until i feel the fill the d loop and mm-hmm. then just kind of just hook, hook it in, in there, there without even looking yeah and it's it's literally happens in less than a second it's cool i'm gonna definitely practice it i don't i i every year i intend to shoot as few deer from the ground as possible <laughs> but sometimes you get in that situation you know what i mean you so. shot well, you shot two deer for sure from the ground this year. Did I? Uh, oh, yeah. South Texas. South Texas one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then South Dakota, tree, yeah. cruiser saddle. Colorado's tree. Tree, cruiser saddle. Uh, Nebraska's a tree. That feels like three years ago. <laughs> I forgot Nebraska was last year. <laughs> yeah. So you shot just those two deer, uh, which yep. y'all will uh, – Bro, we've talked about that. Oh, by the way, your drink cup is about to spill down there. Oh, thanks for telling me. Yeah. Um, but we talked about that hunt already, the South Texas hunt one, right? Yeah. Y'all might get to see yeah, that so. come out later in the summer or something Yeah, we're like going to put that out later this summer. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's a cool video. Which is the exact situation you were talking about, or we've been talking about with the ranging on the ground thing. Yep. Is that, that you had a difficult... Yeah, I had to. I mean, I basically had to expose myself to that deer for him, for me to range him or where he's coming through, and Mm -hmm. he saw me. But which ultimately led to him being on edge Mm -hmm. Um, instead of just you know going his own way. I had to get up above the grass. He sees me, and he kind of is doing that whole like I'm going to look, then I'm going to take three steps, and I'm going to look. And finally, he took some steps. I drew, and then he looks over at me because he knows that something's there, and I shoot and. It's it hits high. It should have, I mean, it killed him. There's yeah. no doubt. It, I mean, it was it was in there. I thought we were going to find him. The but rain, then, yeah, was yeah, an torrential issue. downpour soon after that, right? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, he je- he definitely jumped string, and mm-hmm. um, and I also um probably misjudged him by about five yards. Mm-hmm. So at distance, that's a decent amount and you add the jump in there so yeah that's that's the things i mean those are the things and this is stuff like i don't love having to put that out there having to talk about it because i don't love that that happens at all but this happens to a lot of guys and a lot of you out there right now are listening going yeah it happened to me last year Mm -hmm. you know and then there's the dudes that are really self-righteous that think that that never happens to them Mm -hmm. and here's the deal is like it didn't happen to me a whole lot uh, growing up, but I shot a lot of deer at feeders. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so uh, 
Known distance. Known distance. You know the exact distance. Calm deer. They're they're feeding like, and they're not only known distance, but they're twenty or twenty five, mm-hmm. and that's like if you're smart. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all's work. Yeah, and so <laughs> anyway, yeah, it just makes it it makes it efficient, which is not a bad thing. I'm not you know I, I'm not saying Being that efficient. I, in fishing, makes me in fishing, in fisherman. Uh, but I, I definitely, and I'm not even opposed to doing that now. But I'm just saying, growing up, that's what I did a lot. And now, uh, because I have uh, been such a dreamer and am so poor <laughs> these days, I'm uh, having to chase deer across wide open public ground just to get a chance to kill some deer instead of just getting a lease, you know. Money I mean? poor and buck rich. That's right. <laughs> That's right, man. Money poor, buck rich. If I was money rich, I could be buck rich too, though. That's true. So. <laughs> <laughs> Finding a way to be buck rich despite being money poor. There That's what we do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to tinkering with some stuff a little bit just to fine-tune what I've got going on this year mm-hmm. as far as, like, the bow setup goes, the archery stuff. And potentially – you know, hyping about some tags and stuff. I know you got a tag in the mail the other day. <laughs> I did get a tag in the mail. Uh, we teased this here all back, right? I don't know. I think so. All right. Did I, did I tell everybody really what's going on here? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> all right. This is exciting, y'all. It's exciting. <laughs> so I'm just going to take it easy. I received an Arizona elk tag in the mail. Dad it, dude. <laughs> We're going to Arizona. <laughs> going to be just hanging out in the palm trees and shooting elk. That's right, dude. hope so. Is it palms? No, I just feel like there's an oceanfront property in Oh, okay, Arizona. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> April Fool's, right? No, this ain't no April Fool's, guys. I drew Arizona elk tag, so this is about to be real crazy. Dude, how many bugling bulls are going to be coming in? A lot. As many as want to. As many because as they want to. That's right. <laughs> Isn't that right? I think so. I think that, uh, and this is a pretty good unit. Mm-hmm. Like, this ain't like a, I drew a stupid unit, right? Yeah. Like, this is a good spot. Yeah. So, pretty excited about it. Yeah. I'm going to make some elk hair caddis. Maybe. I haven't, I've never tied a fly with elk hair that I have shot the elk from. Yeah. Might need to do that one of these days. Be cool. Would be cool. I've tied some deer hair flies with deer I've killed. Yeah, lots of clousers. If you ain't, if you're a fly fisherman, and you're not saving your deer tails. You need to be because, like, especially if they're from like north, north of the Mason Dixon. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, Texas ones don't make great, but them like that South Dakota tail. I was like, man, this is a cool buck, but look at that tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, dude. I know that's it's, a real flag. It is, man. They flagging them in. Yeah. Um, so speaking of deer. Are you doing anything in April to really prep for deer hunting next fall? Excluding element business, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like to fish this time of year, frankly. Me too. But um, this is straight up map season for me, usually. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I spend a lot of time daydreaming and... You and I have this talk pretty often where we spend like 15 minutes on the map and we're like, is this worth yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> is this worth it? And we had this talk the other day about a state and I was like, yeah, I think that within the next two or three years, I will be hunting whitetail here or in this state at least. So it's worth spending the time. Right? It was Alaska, by the way. Yeah, Alaska. <laughs> we're going to hunt those uh, them blacktails or whatever they got up there. So uh, anyways... Um, that's probably if I'm doing something, it's it's maps and mm-hmm. thinking about where we're either going to go this year or in the future, and then correlating that with uh, everyone's favorite thing, DNR websites. Um, <laughs> uh, and outside of that, there's a little bit of gear stuff, you know, thinking about like what uh, you know outerwear pieces I might need, or boots, or um, really right now. Mm, I probably can't say that. <laughs> some people we work with are going to come out with some cool stuff mm. and been thinking about that. But yep. really, you know, gear and maps. Probably. I'm tired of these companies that won't let us talk about anything. I know. Can y'all like, just come out with it already? Come on. <laughs> I know it. I know uh, it. Um, oh, by the way, I've been uh, having some conversations with a company. 
like between two ferns? <laughs> <laughs> Those kind of conversations? Conversations? Conversations. Yeah. Conversations. Yeah. Conversations. Uh, uh, I thought you were going to say between two skater shoes, conversations. Um, but conversations. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, Connor Aniston. That's right. <laughs> So hideous, I know. Um, These people are clicking off in masses <laughs> right now. Um, yo, Element Boys might be designing a mechanical broadhead right now. Dang. Just what I'm saying. That's cool, I man. Just say that, guys. That's cool. Uh, and if you want to make mechanicals great again, you can via purchasing a shirt. Tyler, where'd you get that shirt you got on right there? Man, I got it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got it from the elementwild.com. That's cool. It says make you had mechanicals to go order right your own shirt and pull it from your own inventory, which is kind of true. Anytime kinda, we yep. take one of our own shirts, we have to take it out of inventory. But it's a cool, cool deal. Yeah. Um, Many of you guys know Parker McDonald. He designed this for us, um, which is very kind of him. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway, we um, we wanted to give people a voice that don't feel like they have a voice. And that's what we did with this shirt. We that's such a good political line, dude. The people that have a voice tend to be a single bevel uh, six thousand grain arrow broadhead. You see, shooters. I put on the story the other day. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. And that, uh, that was off of that. There's a Facebook group called Heavy Arrow Hunt Club, which is kind of funny because there's a like, it's probably a minority, but not like tiny minority. But there, there's a minority of guys who realize that it's a little excessive, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and yeah. that's that's kind of the thing is like these people get real high on their horse about. Um, what broadheads they shoot and namely that's fixed blade and because some guy who sells a lot of fixed blade broadheads said something and they think he's cool and he's killed some stuff then that's the way it is and they haven't done any testing of their own Mm -hmm. and so i just wanted to give people like our boy chris webb or myself just a voice you know and say like look i understand that what you do is effective for you potentially or maybe you just are on the forum all the time and you don't actually hunt, but there is another way to kill deer. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that my way is the best, but it works good for me. Mm-hmm. And I like it, and I've killed some deer with it. I'm not saying it's not going to fail, but then again, there's a potential for your bleeder blade to break off too. So There's a potential for your bleeder blade to just not do what it's supposed to. <clears throat> That's right. Flashback a la this year. KC shot a deer where it should have killed him with a very, very, very popular fixed blade, mm-hmm. and it didn't kill him. Yeah, and it would have double lunged him, double lunged him, but it did not do a very good job. You say then the, he didn't bleed from the he bleeders. Did not bleed from the bleeders <laughs> very good. You a few days later shot a giant buck with a mechanical, and he died in sight. And it didn't hit him till it was 50 yards downrange, and it still went all the way through. That's right. So that's why I uh, shoot a nice, heavy, heavier arrow. Yeah. That's the know. thing, man. And I and, um, actually had this conversation with the engineer, and he said, everything I said made sense, which is, he's a nice engineer, because they don't like to say that very often, <laughs> right? So energy and momentum are different. Energy is a constant Pretty much, no matter what bow, what speed, or whatever you're doing, momentum can change uh, because they have different factors, okay? And they are separate from one another. Your momentum is what is important to push an arrow through something, Mm -hmm. right? Because energy is only worth something if it's transferred, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I can punch the air and it's not doing anything. Mm -hmm. But if I punch a guy's face, which I don't do very often... um, Unless they comment on YouTube, that's exactly. stupid. <laughs> uh, then, like the energy transfer is what's doing the deed, mm-hmm. right? And with guns, you're looking for energy transfer. With bullets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with arrows, you're not looking for energy transfer. You want that thing to pass through. So momentum yep. is what is important. If you shoot a high momentum setup, which um, the uh, I can't remember the formula, right? But um, a heavy arrow shot out of a high poundage bow. E equals MC squared. I, I think. don't think that's momentum. Um, uh, that's uh, that's uh, Einstein's theory of relativity. But uh, anyways, a high momentum arrow will 
by all means, put a gigantic broadhead through a gigantic animal. No problem. Now, is there a law of diminishing returns? There is, I'm sure. Um, Isaac seems to think it's at 550 grains out of a modern compound bow shot at 70 uh, pounds. Mm -hmm. I don't know for sure because I have... I have not experimented enough. So what we the, here's the thing with what we do, guys. From about September one till December thirty one, maybe even the end of January, I'm doing zero experimentation. Yeah, because we are hunting and killing, mm. and I ain't got time to be like, oh, let me just change my sight tape and go to a, a twenty five grain less arrow and see what happens. <laughs> right? I need to find what works and shoot it. So this year, I shot six hundred grains. Fixed blades and mechanicals. I guess I did do a little experimenting, but it wasn't with weights, you know, right? So, um, and a well-tuned bow. And my most lethal setup was mechanicals on the front end of a 600-grain arrow. I don't know the difference, subtract 50 grains, like what that would have done to animals. Yeah. Probably would have killed them dead, too. But I don't know how much difference. Uh, I like that. 550 grain spot but i really like how quiet and how stable my arrow how quiet my bow was and how stable my arrow was at the 600 grain range so Mm -hmm. i don't know remains to be seen either way there is not a diminishing return (laughs) on if you can punch an arrow all the way through something and have a broadhead that remains mechanically sound if you can get a six inch cut shoot a six inch cut yeah because guess what the the thing's going to die quicker, which is what we're trying to do, right? Yeah. You're trying to be, dare I say, ethical, yeah, right? So You don't just put a little hole in a chicken's neck. That's cut right. Cut that sucker off. That's right. Hit it with a water bottle. <laughs> Kill it dead. <laughs> That's another story for another time. But, uh, yeah, like, um, it's all well and cool that your broadhead penetrates, you know, for forever, but it's got a seven-eighths inch cut. <laughs> Dude, you finding that thing three coolies over, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, do something that's going to do some damage. And yep. a lot of times that's – the reason that's the case, too, is because it's about near impossible for a human to shoot a projectile that is a fixed blade that's really, really big and have good arrow flight. Mm-hmm. The thing that people don't understand – and I'm sorry, I'm kind of tirading right now. That's all good. But the thing that people <clears throat> don't understand is that – this is all well and good. Tuning your bow is super important. Having an arrow that spins true is super important. All that stuff. That actually isn't as important as people think it is, but whatever. Um, what you cannot control is human error. We all are in error, right? Because mm-hmm. we are human. It is the human condition. Um, so, you're going to have it. Why not, if you can be as lethal as possible, take some of that out by by putting a broadhead on that is so much easier to tune. That is a mechanical broadhead. It's not it's not so dependent on the way you hold the bow. That's right. The way you pull the trigger. Yeah. All the different factors that you can mess up. Yeah. Because I can promise you, dude, when I set up to shoot that deer at 50, mm-hmm. there was about two things going through my mind. One of them was get this daggum release clipped on the D loop, <laughs> and the other was like, uh, "Is he looking at me?" Mm-hmm. And you know, how much time do I have? Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much like the two things I was thinking is like, get this thing on there, get back, and if I have time, try to settle the pin. Mm-hmm. There was no, I'm trying to settle the pin. There was no uh, make sure my form's good, and I look up at my cam and see if it's torqued or you know whatever leaning or whatever. No, there was none of that, mm-hmm. and so. That's from the ground. Now, out of a saddle, it's the same deal. Like, you're trying to hide from that deer until you can get fully drawn on him, and then you peek out and shoot him. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're leaning, no telling which direction. Mm-hmm. Same deal, like you're talking about. is like, man, you just don't really have time in a hunting situation most of the time to, to do that, to think about all the different th- forms, especially when you grunt stop the deer, you know, or whatever. Now, there are situations where you could potentially do all that. Mm-hmm. And there are situations where you practice enough, like guys are yelling at me right now, like just practice enough and get your form right. And it's, it's like, okay, well, that's fair enough, but there's still conditions. There's weather conditions. There's wind. Like if the wind is blowing across your bow, there's a good chance there's some sort of torque in mm-hmm. your hand. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter uh, how solid you're holding it as compared to every other time you've held it. Like, 
there's some sort of torque there. And my thumbs are going to torque it for sure because mm-hmm. I got weird, non-disposable, disposable, disposable <laughs> uh, thumbs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyway, uh, we're going to do some do some shooting though this summer. Mm-hmm. We got uh, everybody's favorite Eric Gentry is moving down to Texas pretty soon. Uh, actually, we're going to be on this turkey hunt with Chad next next however whenever it is, and then Eric's coming to Texas from there. He's going to move down here, and we're going to be putting all kinds of cool video stuff together with him. Um, and then um, he's he's going to be feeling just a lot better with his vitamin D intake that he's going to have <laughs> because it's still snowing up there where he's at. Um, and he's just going to he's going to become even more everybody's favorite, man. That's so, right. The, your long-haired, red-headed Cousin. Brother. Brother. As yeah. people like to say. Brother. Are y'all brothers? <laughs> I don't know if y'all know this, but people have asked Eric and I if we're brothers like four different times. Yeah. Which I may have talked about this on podcast, sorry, but like, what a weird question. Yeah. Does she like just walk around in crowds and be like, hey, y'all brothers? What's the matter if we are? Like, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. why do you want to know the answer? Know. Is that like, <laughs> what, what is the point? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's like, strange. If I see a, a guy and like a dude that's like, Eight with him that looks like him. I just assume I don't have mm-hmm. to ask him. Like, is that your son? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, what a weird thing. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, you go to a, a conference and like uh, you know, you're wearing a suit jacket and a button up, and then there's a guy wearing a suit jacket, button up, and a tie. Do you go up and be like, is that your boss? You know, like <laughs> why? Why would you do that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, it's well, such a strange thing. It is strange. Uh, so coming up for us. Um, we, I mean, we've been preparing uh, very little for deer hunting, as as you can see. Uh, we do a little map scouting. We do. A little, we're going to pull some trail cameras here soon and kind of get them back in decent condition. Uh, we've been shooting hogs, which is kind of preparation in a way uh, for shooting. And then uh, what we really have coming up though is a lot of fishing. I think um, we're pretty excited about this pond hopping series uh, because it's super fun for us and hopefully something you guys like. And then also, we bought something that could potentially help us do some pretty sick stuff. I'm so excited. We bought a boat. That gummit! And it's like not many boats you've ever seen. <laughs> it is it is a quite a different boat, and we'll have to uh, you know post some stuff with the boat here soon mm-hmm. it's a diy boat for sure for sure we did not go out and buy a uh you know uh uh what's the big ranger right oh <laughs> yeah. yeah or we didn't go buy a gator tail none of that yep it's its own thing it is it is and you guys will have to have to see we're not even going to explain it to you but it's it's small it travels it's got a trailer it's got a motor and uh it's going to be really cool we're going to do some uh, river fishing, I think, in it this summer. So you'll see it then, and we're real excited about it. But uh, anyway, anything else you got you want to talk about? Um, no, nah, man. All I'm right. just kind of hype right now, I'll tell you the truth. Me too. Started this podcast a little bit on the chill side, but now I'm like, let's go. You know? yep. Apparently, we just both got a text message from somebody. Chad. Chad Rick Ross. We got to coordinate some turkey stuff with Chad. That's right. Uh, oh, um, I talked to Dudley Phelps this morning mm-hmm. for a second. He said that the morale should be going insane in Tennessee next week. Really? So, yep. I um, uh, hope you have fun turkey hunting. Because uh, <laughs> I'm all about it. We're going to... We need a turkey morale smallmouth bass fillet dinner. That's, that's right. Dude. Heck, y'all make that sounds good. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, Let's do that thing. Okay. Y'all remember, get out there and do whatever you can to have a little fun. Take care of your family this time of year because... Uh, this fall is going to be crazy and y'all know you want to do everything you can then Uh, so remember that and remember this is your element live in it You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. 
They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 